What's going on, everybody? This is Gino Spirito, and you're listening to the Gino Spirito Podcast, Episode 2. I want to shout out everybody that gave me some positive feedback, uh, slid up on my story, li- uh, listened to the podcast. I really appreciate all the kind words that each of you gave me. I really hope that, um, you know, moving forward, this podcast is entertaining. I'm, I'm doing it for the pure joy of just talking about, you know, sports, music, etc. So I really do hope I'm entertaining y'all at the end of the day. And yeah, like, let's just let's just jump into it. I feel like over the weekend, there were plenty of things, plenty of topics that happened. And I think, um, first and foremost, let's let's start with some um, let's start with some football. I mean, the Chargers finished the year with a uh, 38 to 21 victory over the Chiefs, you know, finished seven and nine third in the AFC West behind the Raiders, who beat the Broncos this week um, because they went for two at the very end. So um, they finished 8-8, eight eight, finished a game behind them. Um, you know, I was definitely expecting a Chargers victory. I got I to gotta be honest. Um, there have been years in the past, though, where I do recall. I, I don't recall which year. I don't know if it was uh, 2015 or maybe 2016 where um, – the Chiefs were resting their starters uh, because they had already clinched the division. Alex Smith was their quarterback, and um, we had the chance of making the playoffs, and we still, like, literally couldn't beat <laughs> their second string. So, you know, a dub is a dub. I'll take, I'll take the victory. Justin Herbert, I mean, this man set so many records this season and in this game alone, I mean – he set the all-time rookie completion records. He's the youngest player in NFL history with 30 passing touchdowns, um, which he uh, broke Lamar Jackson's record. He uh, now has the rookie record for most total touchdowns at 36. Uh, Cam Newton had that at 32. He had um, 10 games with two passing touchdowns or more, which is a rookie record. He tied the um, Chargers uh, franchise um, records with um, eight 300 plus yard games. He tied Dan Fouts and Philip Rivers. So I, I feel like that's some pretty uh, prestige company uh, as a rookie. And he was just 38 yards short of Andrew Lutz passing yard record. Um, so like I said in the last podcast, I really, um, I, I can't really view this season as a complete failure at the end of the day. I mean, we go into the season starting Tyrod Taylor. Uh, that was already iffy to begin with. And you throw this, uh, you know, our sits overall pick in there. We two, like, literally seconds before game time. And, you know, there were some very, very heartbreaking losses in the process. But I feel like overall... After reading those, you know, five sits records that this man broke, I, I think we got a franchise quarterback at the end of the day. I think that's, you know, um, beautiful. <laughs> I mean, there are definitely um, some franchises out there that struggle to get a quarterback. You know, you saw the Cleveland Browns. Um, actually, shout out to the Cleveland Browns making the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. That's that's a great thing. Uh, shout out to the Dodd Pounds. You know, you guys deserve it. But you saw them from, you know, 2002 to, I mean, Baker Mayfield basically uh, struggling with that quarterback position, trying to get the right guy in there. So having Phillip Rivers for 15, 16 seasons and, uh, you know, drafting a quarterback right after and him already being the guy, him breaking all these records, I feel like that's a positive. I, I don't necessarily think we can – 
view this season as a complete failure. Yes, you know, there were so many close games. There were so many heartbreaks. You have the Denver game, you have the Raider game, you have the Saints game, you know, like those those three games in particular I think hurt, hurt the most. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I definitely think the future is bright. Like there's no doubt about that. Uh, Justin Herbert seems to have a great rapport with, um, you know, our main guys. He has a great rapport with Etch. I think uh, Eckler loves him. I, you know, I, I see him posting him on social, shouting him out, shouting the quarterback out, shouting, you know, we see Hunter Henry. Hopefully we can extend him and they can continue that rapport. I mean, Keenan and him have a great connection as well. You see all these young guys as well. I mean, you know, not to disclude Mike Williams, uh, but – I'm pretty sure this stat was either 20 or 21 of Justin Herbert's like 30 sits total touchdowns this year came in the hands of an undrafted or, you know, uh, what's it called? Not like one of our top three guys. I felt like that was a very interesting stat. I feel like, um, you know, when you look at some of the greats like Tom Brady, uh, Peyton Manning, you, you, uh, you, you, may, you know, maybe they had like that one receiver – um, you know, I feel like Tom Brady, the, the season he had with uh, Randy Moss, you, you see how dominant he was. Um, Payne Manning had Reggie Wayne for a long time. But, he, you know, for the most part, for their for their careers, they they played with whoever was on the field and they elevated all of their games. And I know without a doubt that most of those receivers that moved on after, you know, playing with the Patriots or playing with the Colts or the Broncos, like they were able to earn contracts outside of that organization in large part due to the great quarterback play of Tom Brady, Payne Manning. So I really feel like Justin Herbert elevated a lot of those younger guys. I feel like, you know, our young receivers, we did draft three of them this year. I feel like um, a lot of them got some great playing time um, throughout the season due to injuries and uh, Justin Herbert elevated their game as well. And I, I think that's just a great thing moving forward. And on top of that, we uh, got the news this morning that Anthony Lynn is no longer going to be the head coach of the Chargers. Um, finished uh, 31 and 33 with the Bolts. Um, you know, I, I, I can't say that I'm not surprised by this. Uh, I think I think everybody in the um, Bolt fam saw this coming, regardless of our four game winning streak to end the season. And I think in large part, it has to do with, I mean, in my personal opinion, these close games are just, you know, too much. I feel like we have way too much talent to be consistently in close games, regardless of if we won or not. You know, 2018, we may have been 12-4, and four, but um, those, those games, there, there were still quite a few of them that were very close, and somehow, someway, we were getting it done that year. So that's why we did finish 12-4, and four, but... You know, we, we, you know, unfortunately, uh, NFL is business, and if you're not getting it done, it's definitely the Nets man up. So nothing but nothing but love to Anthony Lynn. Um, I hope I hope he does find a job. You know, I, I I don't have any any ill will towards towards him at all. I I, I really just hope that um that the Chargers find a better guy. Um, for Justin Herbert's success, for his growth, and just for the team's overall, um, you know, just vibe, really. I, I mean, I don't want to sound cliche with saying that, but it's it's more of 
going into the season with a fresh start, um, not worrying about all these close losses that we've in, encountered over the past few years, and just somebody that can help us put a, put us over the edge. You know, we, we, we definitely just have way too much talent uh, going into next year, um, and, uh, you know, just the chemistry that we have created over this past uh, four-game winning streak um, and kind of just a little, little bit of – you know, motivation and edge to just be that much better next year. I really feel like um, starting fresh with somebody that is going to match that um, intensity um, will just be best moving forward. So, yeah. Um, I also wanted to give a shout-out to um, Austin Eckler for breaking LaDainian Tom Lunson's record for the most receiving touchdowns in Chargers history. He has uh, 16 total now. I thought that was pretty crazy. I mean, this is only at third, third year, fourth, no, third year, um, and third or fourth year, and this man is, I mean, I, I, I'm surprised that LT only had 15 total receiving touchdowns, but I think that was, it was just a different game back then, and I mean, LT was just so dominant on the ground, why would, why would we risk passing to him, so I, I could understand that, but I still think that's a, a, a huge accomplishment by him, and also shout out to Kenneth Murray for breaking Derwin James's record for most tackles in a single season. Uh, he, re he he had 107, Derwin James had 105. Um, it was good to see them both showing love to each other on Twitter. I mean, you know, the Chargers have a very, very um, appealing job uh, offer. Like, for any any head coach that are, that are interested, you know, like, they're going to, you know, get a lot of guys that are under 25. They got Justin Herbert at 22, Kenneth Murray, Derwin James, Joey Bosa, Drew Tranquil, Austin Eckler, like that, ta the talent on that list is ridiculous. And on top of that, you know, you have the 13th pick in the draft this year, which isn't awful. You, you know, hopefully we can somehow come to an agreement with Melvin Ingram. Hopefully Casey Hayward stays for another couple years. Like there, and then we also have Linvel Joseph that we picked up this past offseason. So I really feel as if all of those factors, plus the 13th overall pick, um, I really feel like that makes the Chargers' job very appealing, and I hope we can um, select the best candidate and really just get the ball moving, like I've said. Um, but, yeah, like uh, to end the Chargers' note, I, I, I really, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily view the season as a bust, like I've said, but um, shout-out to Justin Herbert for still balling out. Shout-out to all the guys for finishing the season on a positive note. Uh, Four-game winning streak, that's, you know, hopefully that boosts them around the locker room. And just moving forward into the offseason and OTAs and stuff like that, you know, watch watch these uh, playoffs. Use it as motivation because we, sh we should have been in the playoffs, man. There's so many close games that if we if we go over the edge, you know, maybe we are 10-6. and six, Maybe we are 11-5. and five. Who knows, you know. So use that as uh, that extra motivation going into the next season. But um, regardless of Charger news, um, wild card weekend is, is next, next weekend. And man, oh, man, some of these matchups are pretty are going to be pretty good. We got the Bills and the Colts, the Seahawks and the Rams, the, um, the Titans and the Ravens, the Saints and the Bears, Steelers and the Browns again. And also, I think, oh, yeah, the Redskins, or not the Redskins, the Washington football team, pardon me, and the Buccaneers. Um, I just wanted to give a quick shout-out uh, to the Colts, and shout-out to the Bills, honestly. Are you kidding me? Hottest team in the NFL by far, in my opinion. And I think 
Um, I'll say it here first. I think they're definitely the scariest team for Kansas City. I mean, being the Super Bowl champions, I, I have to give the respect where the respect is due. And they are the Super Bowl defending champions. And, you know, the Bills just won 50 sits to 20 sits. They played their backups the whole entire second half, completely ruined the Dolphins' chance of making the playoffs. Well, the Colts still had to win the game at the end of the day, but they did get the job done. Shout out to Phil Rivers. He's going to be back in the playoffs. A lot of speculation going around if this will be his last season. I mean, if so, what a what a historic career. He um, On uh, Sunday, he actually um, became the fifth all-time uh, leader for passing touchdowns, passing Dan Marino. So I thought that was great. I, th- I, I, I mean, if, if this is the last season for Phil Rivers, um, what a historic career by the man. Like, just wow. And I'm really glad that he uh, was fortunate enough to come into a system that he already knew with Frank Wright and, you know, just instantly win. Have a great defense, have a great offensive line. So, you know, that Bills and Colts matchup, I think that'll be um, my number, my, my top matchup for the week. I'm very excited to watch that. I think Josh Allen and the Bills are 100% the hottest team in the league, like I said right now, but... I am definitely rooting for my boy Phil Rivers and the Colts. Um, and then, you know, I think the um, the two rivalry games that'll be in the playoffs will also be very interesting. You have the Seahawks and the Rams, and you also have the Browns and the Steelers, you know. The Steelers rested their starters this past week. Um, some say that gave the Browns an easier opportunity to make the playoffs, and it, they still had to wait until the final moments. Uh, um, a uh, onside kick that was um, recovered, and then the Steelers going for two. And I mean, not the onside kick that was recovered, but the Steelers going for two and not getting it. Mason Rudolph almost getting a W against Miles Garrett. It was a great game, regardless of you know the starter sitting or not. But I think it'll be. Um, I think it'll be. Very interesting to see uh, how that game will be played now that the Steelers have uh, Big Ben. And I don't know how many other starters they rested, to be honest with you guys. But um, I think that'll be a good matchup still. I'm, I'm rooting for the Browns, honestly. Like, you, you got to love the fact that they've made the playoffs. Um, they went 11-5 and five this year. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a good time for Cleveland. They're going to, they're going to the uh, national championship game as well for college football and they're in the playoffs like you gotta you gotta just hope the Cleveland Browns pull through um and then that Seahawks and Rams game you know like I feel like Russell Wilson if you asked anybody those first three four or five weeks of the season he was the MVP there was zero questions about it zero questions about it but as of late I wouldn't necessarily say he's been playing bad but I don't know if it was an adjustment since they were able to get all their running running bats back with Chris Carson and um, who is their other Carlos Hyde. I, I I mean I know they run like a pretty solid uh, two and then uh, whenever Rashad Penny is healthy, I don't think he's come back yet. Uh, they run a very solid uh, running game and they have like you know they they've relied they relied on that last year uh, and I think that's how they pulled it together when they started like zero and three or whatever it was last year. They started, like, running the ball more and, like, taking the pressure off of Russell. But this year I felt as if Russell Wilson was just slinging it at the beginning of the season, and then they kind of switched some stuff up. So they haven't been putting as much points on the board, but they have been getting the job done still as they they uh, beat the uh, 49ers, which isn't an easy task regardless of who's out for them. 49ers have a great coaching staff. 
Um, and they uh, still got it done by a small margin, which was interesting to say. But I think that matchup will be interesting. We'll see if Jared Goff is healthy for the Rams. Um, well, you know, I, I personally, um, yeah, I, I, I just personally think that um, the Rams, regardless of who they have at quarterback, their defense is still going to show up to play. So. Um, it's really going to be how Russell Wilson plays in this game. You know, the Seahawks' uh, defense hasn't been the best this year as they have been in uh, previous years. So if Russell Wilson shows up to play and gives guys like Jamal Adams that extra boost, you know, he's playing in his first uh, he's playing in his first playoffs. I know he's already going to be motivated. Um, but just seeing his, his quarterback ball out, I'm sure that'll help. Uh, that, that'll help, um, you know, boost his morale and not get uh, so antsy. So that'll be a really good matchup as well. Um, the, I mean, I can't even, I haven't even gotten into the Ravens and Titans matchup as well. I, I, you know, shout out to Derrick Henry becoming the eighth member of the 2000 yard rushing club yesterday with, uh, his final stat line was 34, 34 rushes for 250 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, <laughs> this man is just He's, he's a beast. There's no doubt about it. And especially when it comes to this part of the year. You saw it last year, how the Titans went to the AFC Championship game. Arguably could have, you know, beat the Chiefs. But, you know, it's it's that time of year where, you know, week 18 now, technically, of football. Some of these defenders' bodies are just, they're, they're, they're hurt. They've, they've played a lot of football. And now you got to, you know, your task for the week is, you know, trying to tackle this big, I don't know how much, 250, 250 pound running back who just stiff arms people with ease. You know what I mean? Like there's a reason why Derrick Henry stats go up at this time of the year. And I feel like there is no greater matchup than this Baltimore Ravens defense and just team in general who is playing with a lot of confidence. They finished the season 11 and five handedly beating the Cincinnati Bengals this past Sunday. So I, I, I just feel like this will be a very, very good game. It could go either way. Um, it's 100% going to have to go through Derrick Henry. I really like how the past couple of weeks you, as a viewer, can see the just the amount of respect that defenses have to have for Derrick Henry. I mean, we see in the Green Bay game, I know the Titans pretty much got blown out that game. But there was that Ryan Tannehill, I think it was about a 50, 60-yard touchdown. It was a simple quarterback read. Like, he literally just faked the handoff, and you see all these defenders running to Derrick Henry's way. Boom, wide open lane. They did it again. I don't know if it was a third down or a fourth down in this past game against uh, the Tetsons, which they barely pulled out this past weekend. They did the same thing. It was on, on their own 30, and they went for – I'm pretty sure it was a fourth down – and Ryan Tannehill, boom, 15-yard gain for a first down. So you gotta you gotta remember how much respect you you have to put on Derrick Henry's name. And you know, I I really feel like any team that's up for the challenge would be this Ravens team. So I think that'll be a great game as well. Um, the Saints and the Bears. I feel like the Bears are very hot right now. Uh, they started. I can't remember. They started the season five or five and one or four and one or something like that. But they went on a little bit of losing streak there and somehow managed to pull off the seventh seed in the NFC. So, um, yeah, I, and I, I don't know. They, they came off a game where they played the number one seed Packers. And, I mean, the Packers are the Packers. They're going to they're gonna 
play ridiculous, and you can't really... I don't think that really changes any momentum going into this game against the Saints, but, you know, I, I, I think anything's possible, but I, I really do think the Saints got this one unless something crazy happens. And then the last matchup um, that I think is probably... Excuse me. I'm going to be watching each and every one of these games, but I think this is probably the least... Um, the matchup I'm least excited about is going to be the Washington football team against the Buccaneers, and nothing against Tom Brady um, or anything like that. Or it's, it's, it's just, you know, you have all these other matchups that I've already talked about, and I just don't necessarily think that it'll, um, it'll be a close one necessarily. Um, you know, the I mean, let's be real. Like, was... Was the Eagles uh, purposely tanking that game? Like, let's be real. Like, we're, you know what I mean? Doug Peterson had some questionable fourth down calls. He could have easily tied the game on the three-yard line, I'm pretty sure it was. And he decides to go for it. That's incomplete. And the drive before that, they went for, like, a questionable fourth and seven, like, on their own, like, on the opponent's 40. So just some, just some interesting questionable calls from the Eagles game that allowed Washington to win and not allow the Giants to uh, be the NFC East champions. What, what what a joke that division is. But all in all, you know, they, they needed some help from the Eagles sideline, in my personal opinion, to even make the playoffs. And I think Tom Brady's been here, done this so many times. And, you know, you see how they were rolling yesterday. Antonio Brown, eight receptions, 122 yards with two touchdowns. Tom Brady with... I'm pretty sure like over a thousand yards in the past eight quarters he's been playing. So it's that that team's definitely rolling, and I, I feel like that'll be an easy matchup for Brady. Um, you know, just I think it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see how much momentum they can gain from that, or if you know anything's possible. You know, who knows if if Chase Young can get in there and you know disrupt Tom Brady's flow and just kind of like mess with him a little bit in that way. Tom Brady does not like to throw under pressure. And, um, you know, you've seen there, you've seen plenty of I, – I feel like there have been two or three games from the Buccaneers this year where Tom Brady gets a little bit disre – like, disrested, you know, rustled, my bad, and he kind of just doesn't play good. Like, really. Like, they've gotten handed some, like, big L's this year because the offense was not doing anything, and you just keep putting the defense in a very uncomfortable situation, and obviously you're going to have to keep passing. So – um, we'll see if uh, that Washington front four, which is a very solid front four, can get some pressure on Tom Brady or if it's just going to be one of those days for Tom Brady and they'll just cruise to a victory. So I think we have a lot of good matchups going into wildcard weekend. I'm very excited. I'll talk more about this on um, probably, the, probably the Friday podcast before and give some, some of my predictions for these games. Um, what I expect to see out of each of them, just a little bit more. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited about these matchups. I think they're they're gonna be very very good. Um, but yeah, some other NFL news. Um, Justin Jefferson he ended the season with 1,400 yards receiving, which broke not only the Minnesota uh, Randy Moss rookie record, but it also broke Anquan Bolden's rookie record from the NFL. So shout out to Justin Jefferson, um, another rookie that had a phenomenal season. Um, a lot of debate on Twitter and social media right now about which Justin deserves the Offensive Rookie of the Year. And obviously, I'm going to be a little biased towards my boy Herbert for um, breaking, uh, you know, five sits records he did. But I don't 
in in no way, shape, or form would I be disappointed if Justin Jefferson actually did win this award. Um, this man had a stellar rookie campaign. I mean, fourteen hundred yards, and I'm pretty sure he missed some time. I, I don't know if he missed a couple of games or so. I, that's what I that's what I was reading. So, I I think uh, you know if they can keep Thielen, they can keep Justin Jefferson. They got Dalvin Cook on the ground game. Um, you know, I don't know if Kirk Cousins is the answer in Minnesota, but that's a very solid three. <laughs> that's a very solid top three weapons for um, any team right there. So yeah, shout out to Jeff and Justin Jefferson. Great, great rookie season, my guy. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, the NFL Week Seventeen was a lot of fun yesterday. I um, didn't have any fantasy games going on yesterday. Uh, well, I, I had one, but it was for a consolation, which I ended up winning. So that doesn't really matter. But um, I did have a pick'em, and I actually was tied for first going into Sunday Night Football with one other person. We both had 14 of the 15. The only one that I had wrong was the freaking Dallas and Giants game, which was stupid. I cannot believe that Dallas did not pull that out. Um, but shout out to the G-Men for getting it done and putting themselves in a possible possible playoff opportunity. But going into Sunday Night Football, I was like I said, I was tied with another person and, and I had the Eagles and he had Washington. So it was just straight up whoever won. So, um, yeah, seeing Dud Peterson kind of uh, tank that game in a way, I, I was very disappointed. Um, I'm very much on the side of uh, the Eagles just completely blowing that. I don't, I don't think that um, I've ever really seen that before. I, I really, you know, J.J. Watt had that, um, that's, that post-game uh, speech uh, or for post-game conference uh, last week. And he just talked about how in the NFL, you know, it's a business. And each and every week, regardless of how bad you are, you go, you go into the game wanting to win. You know, the Eagles are already out of the playoffs. I understand that. So maybe, you know, throwing in their other quarterback, even though Jalen Hurts has been a, a baller. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't really understand the point of wanting to see this other quarterback. Like Doug Peterson was saying after the game. You know, give him a fair shot. I didn't really understand that. You know, if they were losing by 20, 30 points, like, yeah, okay, like, give this man a fair shot. Like, there's nothing to lose at this point. You guys are already, you know, winning by 20 or 30 or losing by 20 or 30, but you literally have been set up in prime position multiple times by your defense who played pretty good. They had an inter they had a couple interceptions. Um, um, Alex Smith just making some, you know, mistakes, which which is okay. But, uh, you know, I, I – I just felt as if like that game was super winnable and I don't understand why you would not want your stars in the game for that. So yeah, I guess that's kind of where the disconnect for me was personally. And also the fact that I lost out on a hundred bucks since, um, that's what our pick is like. It's, you know, a ten $10 pot with 10 people. So, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but I, I really just didn't understand that at all. I, I don't, I, I still don't. And I, yeah, I, I will see what the Eagles do this offseason with Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. I really I really hope Jalen Hurts gets that job. I, I think he balled out regardless of if he was 1-3 one one as a starter. I wouldn't even – you know, I would say he was 1-2. I don't even want to count Week 17. I feel like Doug Peterson completely lost that game to the Eagles 100%. So, um, and regardless, like he was – he still had that showdown with Kyler, and I'm pretty sure that was the game – that was that first game he lost, but – that man played phenomenal to end the season, and I, I really think that the Eagles have a star going forward if, if they're smart with it, if they, if they utilize that. So, 
yeah, I, I really, I'm, I'm excited for it. And I think to end the NFL note, regardless of what I said about the um, Washington football team making the playoffs and possibly, you know, getting smoked by Tom Brady, um, shout out to Alex Smith, unanimously the combat player of the year. Um, I just have no words, you know, 17 surgeries, I'm pretty sure it was, and uh, so much time off the field. Like, this this just goes beyond football at the end of the day, you know? This man could have lost his life, and the combat story that he has created is just like, how are we supposed to ever give combat player of the year to anybody else, you know? This, this award should just be the Alex Smith Award. Are you kidding me? This man is what a remarkable story, you know, leading this team to the playoffs, as well as Ron Rivera. Shout out to Ron Rivera. This man um, was, you know, I, I heard reports that he was having to have IVs at halftime during the uh, early parts of the season so he could just finish coaching the game. And, you know, he beat cancer back um, in October. So, you know, just an unprecedented start to the season from the Washington football team and to end it with their coach who is now cancer-free and their quarterback who experienced one of the most gruesome leg injuries that has ever been seen in the NFL um, and for them to make the playoffs. That, you know, Regardless of what their retro was, they still won their division. They still are hosting a home game next week against Tom Brady. What an opportunity for that team in that young front core like I was talking about, Jace Young. I, I really am excited for that game now that I think about it in that terms. But at the same time, you have to understand, you know, you are going against Tom Brady. You are going against um, an offense that is very explosive. So I really hope that they can they can hold hold them to something because, you know, that'd be, that'd be a great, great story if they got a playoff dub. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so much for the NFL. I was very, very – excited for this college football playoff this year i think um you know we can all agree that the rose bowl was pretty boring <laughs> i think uh going into um that first game of the afternoon in the rose bowl which was uh the number one seeded alabama crimson tide versus the number four Notre dame uh i i think most people knew that alabama would probably cruise to a victory but um, the final score of 31-14, to 14, I don't really think that uh, that does this game justice, especially if you were watching. You can, you, whoever was watching saw how completely dominant this Alabama team was. I mean, Devonta Smith is with uh, seven receptions and 130 yards with three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. The, that that um, also allowed him to tie the single-season receiving record for 20 on the year. I just – these stats are ridiculous. And then that second touchdown he had where he fell on his back and he was just on the bike smiling after the play. Like, he got a little winded. And then for him to just go back and just – I don't know. This man just ran completely by the defense on that first touchdown as well. I, I, just ridiculous. Arguably, um, the Heisman winner tomorrow – um, and I hope he does. I, I really would love to see a receiver win that. I feel like he's had a stellar season, so why not give it to him? Um, but yeah, unfortunately for Notre Dame, they're now 0-8 in elite New Year's Day bowl games since 1994. And on top of that, they lost each of these games but one by more than 14 points. So at the end of the day, I, I 
when I when I think about that statistic, I really just I just feel bad. I I really feel like this um this Alabama team was just a lot better than Notre Dame. I, I feel like um you know if you put Notre Dame in any other bowl game, do they win? More than likely, yes. But you know when you you have the opportunity to to win a uh, college football championship. You know, like sometimes you're, I mean, not sometimes you're going to have to play those, you know, those, those teams, you're going to have to play the best team in the country. And if you want to move on, you're going to have to, you know, play good. So I, I don't know. I don't really, it's just, it's just hard sometimes to like really judge Notre Dame season based on like, you know, excuse me, this one loss, you know, especially when they're, they're going against an Alabama team that has uh, Devonte Smith. They have uh, their, I don't necessarily know their running back. It's named by heart, but I heard that they were the first pair of receiver and running back duo in college football to have 20 touchdowns in a single season. Like, that's just ridiculous. And the Alabama's running back with that amazing hurdle to start the game as well. Like, I couldn't even – yeah, they, it, it, Notre Dame was just – they. I feel like um, there was just a little bit of things at the beginning of the game, some miscues on offense, and then Alabama just, you know, doing what Alabama does, ready, ready to compete, ready to win. And by the time, uh, you know, that, like, end of the third quarter was rolling around, you could kind of just feel that, like, you know, everybody knew what the outcome of the game was going to be, and the fourth quarter didn't really need to be played. So, yeah, the Alabama, Alabama cruised, cruised to that victory. And um, the, I mean, the second game of the evening was, I felt like, the most entertaining one, Clemson versus Ohio State. A uh, lot of hype going into this game because of um, – Clemson's coach, uh, Diva Swinney, uh, just talking about how he personally believed that Ohio State's, um, that Ohio State was the 11th best team in the country because uh, he put that in their coaching polls. And there were mul- not just, he didn't just say that once, there were multiple times where he uh, backed those comments uh, stating that he believed um, Ohio State hadn't played enough games to to be ranked higher than some of those other teams that had been playing that had played ten or eleven games, and uh, but he also had said that you know he believes Ohio State is fit to be any of these top uh, th- top four teams that were in the college football playoff, but that's why he ranked them at that, and he backed that up yet again, and unfortunately that ended in a forty nine to twenty eight cruising victory by Ohio State. What a game by Justin Fields, man. Six touchdowns, 385 yards, and this man was 22 for 28 passing. That was that was just a very – I don't even have the words to describe what Justin Fields did on the field in that game because it was, it was very – it was history, honestly. I don't remember which commentator said that, but I instantly – became a Justin Fields fan uh, watching that game. I, 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 like I said before, I don't really keep up with college football too much besides when it's like, um, you know, bowl season. Unfortunately, that happens when your your um, favorite college football team is UNLV and they, they don't really do too well. So um, I, I like to watch college football bowl games a lot. And what a game by Justin Fields, let me tell you. Um, that uh, 67-yard touchdown pass to Chris Olave. Chris Olave also had a, a tremendous game. I, I, I feel like – I didn't realize he missed uh, the Big Ten Championship, but the, it looked like uh, Justin Fields and him were definitely on points. Uh, you know, the infamous game last year where they lost 29-23, to uh, Chris Olave was running running like a post corner, 
and um, or a corner post, and Justin Fields threw about to the inside, and that's what ended up being the final interception of the game. So those two were on fire. Chris Olave finished with two touchdowns, I think, uh, 120, like 120, 130 yards. So yeah, it was it was also um, great to see a, a former San Diegan ball out. Uh, Chris Olave actually went to Mission Hills, and uh, we played. My, my high school played against him and Warren Washington, who's now at Nevada. Um, that was that was a, always a great matchup. But Chris Olave, what a baller, man. He played great. I really, really hope Ohio State um, use, pushes this into the championship game against Alabama. Um, another person I wanted to um, talk about was uh, Tyreek Smith, uh, number 11 on Ohio State. I actually played travel ball with him for, I'm pretty sure it was just a summer going into uh, – Sixth or seventh grade, we won a couple championships. Um, it was great to just see him balling out there. It was great to see his mom in the stands going crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like um, Ohio State, um, man, they, they just took this game really personal. And I feel like that is very dangerous. And on top of that, you have the Clemson coach saying everything he did, um, the weeks leading up to the matchup. So, you know, I, I just don't think it's the right call by any coach to say anything negative about a team that has had the final score of the last matchup that you guys had in their in their weight room the entire year you know ohio state used that as motivation all year and you saw how personal they took this game you saw how much how much de- want and desire justin fields had you know he t- he takes that late hit and their coach after the game says he he looked at him dead in the eye and said there's no way that they are losing this game and I mean you see how this man balled out completely so yeah shout out to Ohio State I'm really looking forward to that Ohio State um, Alabama matchup I you know like I've said before Alabama is regardless of if they are coming off of a national championship title or a national championship runner-up they will always be the team to beat and i feel like clemson is kind of in that conversation as well but i feel like nit saban has built a tremendous program at alabama and they will always be the team to beat for that reason you know that you regardless of what year it is you know ever ever since nit saban has taken over that alabama program you know that most likely they're going to be in that top five ranking of college football each and every year. If they're not in the top five, they're number one. You know what I mean? I, I'm sure there's like the percentage for um, like games going into a game being ranked to number one. I, I'm sure it's above 50 under Nick Saban. And um, I, I really I'm looking forward to this matchup. Obviously, I want the boys of Ohio State to win. I think that'd be great for the state of Ohio and just what a remarkable combat story that'd be for Justin Fields, like coming up a short a year ago and, you know, beating Alabama and Devonta Smith. And I, I really, um, I really hope that could happen. I, I know Alabama's going to be tough and I know, I know that Ohio state understands that as well. I don't think that they're going into this matchup undermining what Alabama can be or do, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think it's going to be a great, great game, a great matchup. And, um, yeah, that's all you can really hope for as a fan. So I am very, very excited for that. Um, moving on, let's talk about some music. I um, am very excited 
because for for some, like I've talked about in the last podcast, I'm I'm very excited for the year of 2021 for music musically. Um, I think it's in large due to uh, some of these artists that have haven't dropped in a while and i feel like it's it's just that you can kind of just sense that it's that time you know drake has already confirmed he's dropping in january but then you get isaiah rashad that i talked about last podcast he, he's posting stuff and replying to people saying he's dropping dropping soon and the album's on the way you got absol come out of nowhere on twitter and you know wish everybody a happy new year and tell everybody that the album's on the way as well i i really just feel like um you know, some people that haven't listened to Isaiah Rashad, um, Absol, and some of these other smaller artists that I've been talking about, uh, I feel like you should definitely give them give them all a listen, give them all a chance, because you will not be disappointed, and it'll only hype yourself up that much for their next project. So, yeah, I'm very excited for those those two dropping. Um, in other news, uh, Frank Ocean cleared his Instagram feed, and, you know, why is this a big deal? I mean... Artists do this from time to time, as we've seen plenty. Um, I mean, we've seen this plenty of times where artists clear their entire Instagram feed as a start of a new era, start of a new album, possibly. Um, so that that'll be that'll be nice, you know. Frank, uh, as we all know, hasn't released anything since uh, the Bat to Bat drop, um, August nineteenth, August twentieth of twenty sixteen, which was um, endless. And then he got out of his deal and he released Blonde independently the next day. What a, what a finesse by Frank Ocean on, on that part. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think uh, the fact that fans that also bought some of these um, singles that were on vinyl, uh, getting, like, an email saying that, the, that that music would no longer be released, I felt like that was a bad sign. But now that he's clearing his feed, you know, who knows? You know, you never know with Frank. You never know what's about to happen with Frank Ocean. And I feel like he's he's kept his career that way is the, the entire time. You know what I mean? It's You can't really expect much, but you can hope for everything. And, I mean, he released uh, DHL back in October 2019 and then In My Room in November. And then Dear April plus Cayendo, which was released in April of the next year, 2020. Um, but like, like, like I said, uh, you know, he was supposed to – that was supposed to be personally my first Coachella, but he was supposed to be performing at Coachella last April. And I really feel as if uh, COVID and the coronavirus um, stopping that festival from happening, like I really feel like maybe he does drop a project before that, you know? He released a couple singles like I just mentioned. And, you know, it, it, it really did look like um, on the singles album work that there was like 13 different uh, po- uh postures from him on the bottom and he was just going through each of them and it really looked like there was going to be an album rollout but unfortunately there wasn't anything um so yeah i i really um despise coachella 2020 no i'm just joking i really despise just covid for that in general i really wish i could have seen frank ocean live at coachella that would have been life-changing um it would have been my first coachella as well and i would have been able to see travis the day before so fortunately that that day is not yet to happen. We'll see if it if it does, if they keep the same lineup whenever Coachella does happen in the future. But, yeah, I, I mean, you know, if Frank drops, he, he you know, that that's lovely. But if he doesn't, I, I just – it's hard to get mad at Frank Ocean for I – mean, I mean, for me personally, I think sometimes it's, it's a little hard to get mad at Frank because – 
when you think about it, this man is four for four. You know, Nostalgia Ultra. A lot of people haven't listened to Nostalgia Ultra. What an, you know, an I mean, I want to say album, but it it's 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 a mixtape, but it's more like an album. And then you got Channel Orange, Blonde, and Endless. You know what I mean? Like that is. I don't know a, a an artist that has released, like that many, just life changing albums like as his first like it's just bang bang but it, it wasn't just like ah like i have a project in between where it didn't really hit so like let me get back and focus it's like no like every single album that frank ocean has released is a 10 is you know something that everybody bumps something that everybody can relate to i i just you know it's it that's why sometimes you know should it be four years in between making albums and should it, should it, you know, do I want to wait four years for another Frank Ocean album every single time? No, absolutely not. Are you kidding me? But when this man has delivered to us, he has delivered nothing but pure hits, nothing but pure just masterpieces. So it's just like, you know, sometimes artists feel like they got to do what they got to do and you can't control that. So, you know, my hope is that Frank releases whenever he wants to, and it's the Frank Ocean that we all know and love. So yes, I hope that this Instagram clearing is a sign of that. I'm still hopeful that um, J. Cole and Kendrick will be dropping as well. As um, I'm sure some of you know, J. Cole just uh, posted something on Instagram about the fall off. I don't know if uh, he was hinting at a possible, um, if he was hinting at him possibly having a uh, a boy as well so if he is that shout out to jay cole congratulations my guy um for having a son i know he's talked about his uh, daughter and for your eyes only but that'd be cool um if you know jay cole's son started balling on all these mid saves and stuff eventually one day like I i'm sure he'll he'll be a great basketball player i'm sure he'll be tall but um yeah i hope cole drops soon i hope kendrick drops soon i you know there were there were some videos that surfaced a couple months ago with um, Kendrick shooting a music video, and um, there had been, like, no speculation after that, especially when Top Dog, I, I don't think it was Top Dog, but it was somebody in TD saying that Kendrick was in a drop soon. So, I mean, yeah, I, I really just hope that, you know, obviously we're still in COVID. Obviously, we're, you know, we still have COVID. We still, we're still in quarantine for the most part. But um, I really just hope that a switch from 2020 to 2021 uh, gives that green light to some of these artists because I genuinely think that there were plenty of artists that had music that they were sitting on, um, you know, going into March of last year or, you know, even even working on throughout quarantine that, you know, we'll never hear. We'll, they, they just feel as if they can't release it because I know a lot of artists relate to, um, you know, wanting to drop something and then boom, go on tour, make some money. You know, perform the songs that you want to perform. And I know that can be challenging as an artist in this time of day, you know, just releasing music and um, kind of, you know, getting to see, I guess, you know, the fans' reactions via your merch or via just, like, Instagram and Twitter about, like, when it, when it does drop and just kind of getting that, like, first initial impression. But, like, besides that, like, if you're not doing some, like, virtual concerts, which, like, 90, you know, 9% of people aren't doing, like, you know, virtual concerts every other week or i mean ever like how are you supposed to get that recognition that like you know you desire as like a musical artist and you know i could see why that would push some release dates back why 
you know, maybe pushing a release date back makes an artist realize they actually want to make some other type of music and then they're in the studio for that much longer. So it's just like right now we're living in a time that's very, very uncertain. So I really just hope that moving forward, going into 2021, it's a fresh slate. I hope that artists that, you know, fans desperately want to hear finally drop and it's all said and done. So, yeah, I really, I really hope that. Um, but uh, like I was talking about with um, performing music, you know, I'm sure at shows when, when shows are finally able to be a thing again and we can go to concerts, um, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of artists that have multiple albums that they have not been able to perform. You know, like the, I feel like a perfect example of this is the baby. Like this man has how many projects since quarantine this happens and I'm sure he'll drop more. And at a concert, you know, I, my, my friends Dallas and Eli have been to a the baby concert and, um, they, you know, they, they said it's very fun, very lit, very, you know, you're moshing, you're having a good time. So it's just like, now that you have 30 songs that you can possibly perform that nobody has heard yet, you know, how do you pick your set list? How do you go about that? What do the people want to actually hear? You know what I mean? So I think that'll be interesting moving forward. Um, the weekend, uh, has been teasing new music. He said that um, on his After Hours tour, it's going to be hard for him to uh, determine which type of music he's, he's going to want to play as he's picking between After Hours, which he hasn't been able to perform yet, and this new music, which, I mean, supposedly will be released before the After Hours tour. I'm personally excuse me, going to be at the L.A. show in August, if that still works out, if that still goes. So, yeah, I mean, I, how, how can you... How can you not be excited for a new weekend project? Like like I said, a lot of artists are going to have to be dealing with this issue of, you know, what do I perform? What do people want to hear? Um, and it's it's very, it's it, like I said, it's just with the times. And I feel like when a concert finally does happen, I, I really hope that these artists understand that, like, a lot of these fans are not going to, like, you know, they're not going to be mad if you necessarily perform, say you have two albums and you perform more of the one that you just released. And like for The weekend, for instance, you know, he performs a lot of the new stuff that he drops if he does drop. But then he all, but then um, instead of like performing every song of After Hours, he performs those main hits. He performs Heartless. He performs Blinding Lights, Faith, uh, Escape from L.A., like all those After Hours. Like he just performs all of those like main songs and maybe not the fillers. And then... Uh, for the the project that he actually dropped like before, like going into twenty like now at twenty twenty one drop, he performs all of those music. So I I don't know. I just feel like it's it's gonna be fine regardless. And I hope artists understand that. I hope every, you know all these artists understand that people just want to see them perform. People want to see them live. Once uh all of this is behind us in our society. So yeah, I'm really excited. Um, for that to happen. I'm very excited to see the weekend if it still works out in August. Um, yeah, I, it's, there's a lot to look forward to in the music industry. Um, uh, on top of that, it, there is a new Code of the Friend album coming out January 18th, Lyrics to Go Volume 2. Um, I'm very excited for this project. I feel like uh, Coda's last project, Everything, was like um, what's it called? One of the first albums that I listened to personally of Coda and Definitely great vibes on everything. A very summertime album. Just 
I mean, this man is spewing positivity on this entire album. If you are ever down and you ever need somebody to tell you something positive and you aren't hearing it from anybody, you just want to listen to music, Toto the Friend is the perfect person to listen to. I'm very glad that I got into him this past summer. Um, so, yeah, I, I really think that Lyrics to Go Volume 2 on January 18th will be a very good project, a, a great way to start 2020. Hopefully, Drake has dropped by January 18th. I hope he doesn't wait till the end of the month. But yeah, I, I, I really I really think that's um, that's a great start. You know, Coda, Coda definitely um, was spe- he was just speaking to shit on everything. And I really hope he continues to do the same thing because he tweeted that he is now in album mode for the next five months. So I, I think this, you know, could possibly, possibly be like just a bunch of songs that he, um, you know, maybe didn't make isn't gonna make the album cut of everything it did make the album cut but cut of everything and not something that he wants to really um put on his nets thing but it's still a bunch of good unreleased songs that you know he wants to put out in the public kind of like an untitled unmastered or you know you see tyler the creator releasing a bunch of singles um just because he wants to and performs them you know i i feel like you've seen a lot we've seen a lot of artists do that in recent years and i i really i really fucked with that so yeah i I really hope that this code of the friend album is is that and whenever he does release his nets project since he said he's gonna be in the studio for the next five months so maybe we'll get that towards the end of the year maybe we'll get that going into 2022 um I, I, I'm just excited. I think Code of the Friend is on the come up for sure. And I think that this little EP mixtape can get a lot of people excited for his next project. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Going, um, getting off the topic of music, uh, let's talk about the NBA. Um, the Lakers are on a three-day morning streak, which is nice. They uh, swept the Spurs. Um, they beat them on last Wednesday, 121-107. to 107, And then they won 109-103 to 103 on Friday. And that was followed with a win over Memphis yesterday, uh, one hundred eight to ninety four. They're now five and two. They are um, tied for first in the West with the Clippers and the Suns, who are also five and two. Um, you know, in this in this three game span that I've talked about, LeBron became the first player in NBA history to score ten plus points in a thousand straight games. Let me say that again. LeBron became the first player in NBA history to score 10-plus points in a 1,000 straight games played. So, obviously, you know, I'm sure there have been times where, you know, like like the first season with the Lakers, LeBron was hurt for towards the end of the season. Um, there have been times on the Cavs and the Heat where, you know, load, load management was a, a bigger topic and they he sat out a few games. But in the last 1,000 games, I think 1,001 now, because he broke that in the second game of the Spurs, and I'm pretty sure, yeah, he had 23 against Memphis the other night. Um, the last 1,001 games that LeBron James has actually played in the NBA, he has dropped 10 or more points. Just think about that. That is ridiculous. You know what I mean? I, I just, that's just ridiculous. That is insane. This man. You know, going into his 18th season, we, we don't know how much longer we're going to pre- get to appreciate this man's greatness. And I really hope that moving forward into his final years of the Lakers and wherever he decides to go, if, if that means he's going to team up with Bronny, I don't know what he's going to do after the Lakers. I really just hope that we're past this. You know, I, I don't know if we're ever going to be past this whole, like, you know, debating, like, who's the greatest of all time. But I really just hope that, you know, 
if there's still going to be debates, that is fine. But that never takes away from the greatness that we are still watching. Just because you think Michael Jordan is better than LeBron James or you think that Kobe Bryant is better than Michael Jordan, that doesn't mean that the other person sucks. Are you kidding me? LeBron James, 10-plus points in a 1,000 straight games. That is just the greatness. And on top of that, you know, you see some of these stats come out about comparing LeBron and the Spurs franchise since 2003. Winning percentage for LeBron, 66.3. The Spurs, 77, 67.4. So the Spurs have the edge by 1%. Playoff appearances, LeBron 14, the Spurs 16. Championships, LeBron 4, the Spurs 3. And LeBron playoff career wins in that span, 172. The Spurs playoff wins, 170. Because, And the reason why this, you know, oh, Gino, why are you picking the Spurs? The Spurs had the most playoff wins in that time frame. So LeBron, by himself, has more wins than the team who has the most playoff wins. Just think about that. You know, when people are talking about this whole LeBron and MJ debate, it, there's just levels to this, man. This man is having to be, there's nobody that you can compare to LeBron James, so people are going to have to compare him to franchise, like a franchise. Are you kidding me? Like, I feel like that alone shows you just the amount of respect that you have to put on LeBron James's name. And why he is, in my personal opinion, the greatest the greatest player to ever play the game. I mean, as much as I love Kobe Bryant, R.I.P., as much as Michael Jordan was, you know, a dog, a killer, sits and in the NBA Finals. Like that, there's just levels to this. And I just don't feel like there's not, you know what I mean? I just don't feel like there's anything else to debate besides that. There's just levels to it. And Michael Jordan is a... Phenomenal player. Kobe Bryant, phenomenal player. You know what I mean? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, Magic Johnson. You got all those guys. All phenomenal players. They're all, whenever you're comparing them, it's by like minuscules of like, oh, he's better because of like this tiny, tiny reason. But LeBron James being compared to franchises now, I just feel like that that alone states why, you know, if you don't, if you don't like LeBron James, you're just a hater at this point. So, yes. You know, um... On top of that, oh, yeah, yes, on top of that, the, I, I hope, um, you know what I mean, maybe the 10-plus in a 1,000 sh- straight games, uh, to, yeah, to, whole, to finish that whole entire stat, I hope um, you all understand that. This man has done that for 1,001 a, a straight games now. The next active person is James Harden at 411. So LeBron has more than double the amounts of games with 10-plus points than the Nets active player, the Nets player that's on that list. So I, I just, yeah, I, there's no, no more words. I'm going to get off, going to, gonna, you know, stop talking about LeBron now, but I just feel like there's levels to this. So I had, I had to talk about that. Um, talking more about the Lakers, I feel like my favorite pickup so far has been Dennis Schroeder, averaging 17-5-5 five five on the year. I really was kind of, you know, I was I wasn't upset. I, I was kind of just, I, it was it was gonna be um, a talking point for the Lakers moving forward without signing Avery Bradley, who went to the Heat, without signing Rajon Rondo, who got a contract with the Hawks. 
Um, but getting Dennis Schroeder, and unfortunately Alex Russo hasn't been playing the past three games, but you know, getting Dennis Schroeder was a great pickup by Rob Palinka. I feel like he brings that same type of dog mentality that Rajon Rondo and Avery Bradley were bringing to the Lakers last year, and you mix that in with a little bit of Alex Caruso when he gets back. Um, THT, who's been playing very good in 13 minutes a game, six points a game, two rebounds. I really feel like you get that three, that that three combo. Of, I I um I hope. You know, by playoff time, we find the proper rotation minutes for those three. Oh, man, that's that's very dirty. I really, I, I think that, you know, losing Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo was, was you know, going to be tough for the Lakers, but adding Dennis Schroeder, you got Alex Caruso that already knows the system, who's just, excuse me, a fan favorite, a stud, and you also have THT, who is literally probably, I think he's younger than me. I don't know when his birthday is. I know that he's 20 years old. Let me look this up right now because His birthday is November 25th, 2000. I am 5 months older than THT. And this man is balling. So I I just don't I really feel like, you know, regardless of losing them, I think this 3 this, you know, these three can really work together well, and I hope by playoff time, like I said, we found the right rotation that we're going to be using for certain matchups. Um, what's it called? On top of that, Montrez, Montrez Harrell, what a guy, what a stud that, that pickup was as well, man. 12-7 and seven so far this year. I... Um, I just love the way he's so active on every single possession. I feel like every possession, whoever gets the rebound, Trez is right there. You know what I mean? If he doesn't get the rebound, he was right there. He's fighting for the ball. He's the one that's diving out of bounds. Him and Dennis Schroeder, this, you know, pick and roll combination on top of, you know, Dennis Schroeder coming off of LeBron, coming off of AD, LeBron coming off AD, LeBron coming off Trez. They, like, the Lakers literally can run pick and rolls the entire game and I don't know how you're going to stop that you're going to switch somebody onto LeBron you're going to stay let LeBron he's shooting the best three-point percentage he has as in as in his entire career this year like I, yeah the Lakers are dangerous um that's enough about the Lakers though um what about the Suns and the Clippers matchup this past weekend uh the Clippers getting the the edge Paul George had 39 that game I mean, him and Devin Booker got into it a little bit. Paul George says that people are, you know, disrespecting him since last year. He had an off year last year, um, and he he's gotta he's gotta maintain this his name. Um, but I really liked that matchup a lot. They're, both teams are now sitting at five and two, like I said before, with the Lakers. I really, when I think about the Clippers, I really um, feel like Paul George has to play the way he has been in these past few games for them to win a seven-game series. The reason I say this is because you see how last season, when they go up 3-1, and everything starts to fall apart, and on top of that, Paul George isn't even playing to the standard he is. Kawhi as having to carry everything, and then he starts playing bad. I just feel like the Clippers have to have everything going right in order for this thing to work. 
and I don't think that is impossible by any means, but I really just I really just think that Paul George has to prove that he's that dog. I think he has to play he the way he did when he was with Indiana when he pushed Miami to a game seven. I, I just don't feel like Paul George can take any off games because he never did when he was with Indiana in like those series and like you saw when he was like that number one option, he was like just that dude, man. Like that man was dunking on LeBron, like he was just going after the Heat's neck. And I feel like in, you know, recent years when you see with OKC, you saw last year with the Clippers, I feel like, you know, you see this. You see Paul George going at people and then that's followed by some games where this man is just nowhere to be seen. And on it, yeah, so that's that's I think that's what comes to my point of if Kawhi and Paul George both play like they're the number one options on the team, the way like LeBron and AD play with each other, they just complement each other. If you know one of them doesn't just take the back seat, they are in the driver's seat with the other person, and they're both on the steering wheel driving. Yes, the Clippers are arguably the best team in the West, no doubt about it. But that has to happen. That needs to happen. We'll see what happens, though. Steph Curry, 62 points last night. Beautiful. What what a performance by the man in a win of 137-122 over the Trailblazers. They're now 3-3. Three and three. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Steph took that shit personal, and I don't, I don't blame him. Two-time MVP, three-time NBA champion. This man had zero rhythm last year. You know, he breaks. I don't remember if it was his ham or his, his ham, his hand or his thumb, but he broke something, and he was out for most of the season. And he comes back, only is able to play the last, the last few games. Um, you know, weeks before the season starts, he learns that his splash bro, Clay Thompson, is going to be out for the season. That was heartbreaking. Draymond Green hasn't been playing the, up to the caliber that we all know Draymond Green can, regardless of how much hate that man gets. He's still a great player. I just don't think the Steph, the Steph um, trashing is necessary. I completely agree with... All the people talking about how LeBron was hated on when the Cavs got swept and how some of these remarkable postseasons that LeBron had was just undermined by Golden State's dominance and how he got swept. And that's why everybody didn't want to compare him to Jordan. And that's always the argument that people make. So I completely agree with that. But, you know, Steph is now learning how to be not just that guy because he knows how to be that guy he's just learning how to compliment himself with all of his new teammates you know look at the warriors right now steph had he's never played with kelly you know he's working with kelly obri i don't really know how to say his last name who's shooting six percent from three-point range um he's you know playing with andrew wiggins who he didn't really get to play with last year who's his like his basically his net's best option. He's averaging 17 points a game, which isn't awful, but still, like this man is still getting used to his new team. He, 
you know, getting used to why I think Wiseman was a great pickup by the Warriors at the number number two overall pick. I think he'll be great for them. I think they needed that big man force again. So yeah, just give him you just needed to give him some time. You know what I mean? Like I know they're three and three. I know Steph had to drop sixty two last night for them to beat the Trailblazers, who are also very good. But still, you gotta give him time. You know, we'll let's let's compare and let's you know if you want to slander Steph, if you want to do all that, let's give him a full season of health. Let's give him, you know what I mean, time to work with his new teammates, time to for them to learn the system that Steph has been playing in for a while. You know what I mean? It's it's just like unfair to talk about how the Warriors are trash right now. You know what I mean? Maybe if they finish this season you know, 10th in the West again, or, you know, not again, they were last in the West, but like 10th or 11th in the West, and Steph's still like, you know, average 30 or something, like maybe, yeah, let's talk about it then, let's talk about what the Warriors need to do to, you know, revamp and try to make another championship run, but it's like, you know, it's game seven, man, like give him some time, give him, give him some space, let's, let's just see what happens, let's see what happens, um, but yeah, I, I really think, uh, the NBA season's gonna be great. I think the West is very stacked. I'll, I'll be. I'm gonna be very interested to see what happens in the East. But um, the Lakers play tomorrow against Memphis. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that more on Wednesday, and we'll talk about uh, more NBA news that happens in between um, on that day as well. So yeah. Um, to end it, we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk some. We'll talk some Padres. Um, not too much has happened. But um, I just wanted to wish a happy belated birthday to Fernando Tatis. He turned 22 this past uh, Saturday. Um, and there's also been some rumors um, on some possible uh, extension talks. Um, the uh, Padres GM was on, I don't know if it was a talk show or if he was just on a phone call with somebody like talking about this. Uh, but he said that um, there will be some some more moves by the uh, start of the season and the, the the one that has the one of the biggest priorities is Fernando Tatis's extension uh, CBS was uh, CBS reporters came out and said a possible sits here 120 million dollar contract was um, possibility for an extension um, yeah I mean I mean let's be real Th- this man's 22 but I mean he deserves that like he, this man is becoming the face of baseball as we speak. And, you know, the the new era of the San Diego Padres is really in the hands of him and all these other core pieces that the Padres already have. So let's let's go ahead and lock that man in. Let's go ahead and get that um get that going. You know, I I would love to see a contract extension by the start of the season. And I would love for there to hopefully be fans that are able to attend these games because I really just don't don't know a better place that can get rocking with a new Tatis extension. Machado already signed for long term. We got Blade Snow. We got you Darvish. We got you know um, we were able to keep uh, Grisham who just came off a Gold Glove season. We were able to keep Will Myers. We got Hosmer. There's just a lot to be excited about as a Padres fan right now. And I think, you know, addressing this extension with Tatis would be nice as he's still young and, you know, hopefully still signing Trevor Bauer. Who knows? I don't know how much money we got, but <laughs> make it happen. But, you know, 
that is all I have. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed episode two of the Gino Spirito podcast. It was a lot of fun talking to you guys today about um, the various, various sports and music news. I hope you guys enjoyed. And yeah, I'll see you guys on Wednesday. Thank you so much.